studied some of this as well. So uh, turn your Bibles tonight to the uh, Epistle of Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6 tonight, in theory. Amen. And Father, we ask you, Lord God, just to bless your word tonight. Lord God, we need your wisdom and understanding. Father, these are not words, Lord God, that were formulated, Lord God, in the mind of a man. But Father, these are words, Lord God, that are God-breathed. You breathed them, Lord God. You inspired men to pin, Lord God, the heart of heaven. So Father, as we come to this place, Lord God, we don't come, Lord God, merely, Lord God, to the eyes and the ears of the intellect, Lord God. Father, we know that things given spiritually are not spirit, are not carnally discerned, Lord God, they are spiritually discerned. So, Father, we need the spirit of wisdom and we need the spirit of understanding, Lord God, to rest upon us. And Father, we thank you that my promise that you said you would send a comforter, Lord God, the spirit of truth, Lord God, who would lead us and guide us into all that truth. And we thank you that your word, it is the way, Lord God, the truth and the life. And that word is still, Lord God, shining a light before us out of darkness. So, Lord God, give us the heart, the mind to hear and to receive, Lord God, and to speak, Lord God. Father, the clarity of your word tonight, and we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, you that were not with us last week, we began dealing with the subject of Christian liberty or the things or the issues uh, within the church placed under the label of uh, something like personal convictions or cultural norms. Um, <clears throat> we got a, a, a great and tremendous contingency of young people uh, that are here tonight. And, uh, you know, you think sometimes, you know, if you're speaking to... Uh, to youth, you give them a youth message. I don't think that way at all myself. I remember as a 15-year-old young man uh, in a church, and uh, you guys have met uh, my pastor, Dr. Richard Town, and uh, I remember going to him one time and he was teaching through the book of the Revelation, and I asked him if I could sit in on that Sunday school class. I said, man, I'm really not interested in, in eating popcorn, so to speak. I said, can I sit in on your class? And he said, well, this is an adult class, and he said, so I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to I'm not going to cut it down in any way for yourself. I said, please don't. I said, because I want something real. And so uh, he gave me it straight off the, off the skillet. And I, I believe that your generation is deserving of something that's not uh, cut down or something that's not diminished in its authority and effectiveness because that's what you're going to need. You know, you don't need another feel-good message. You don't need another uh, uh, shot at entertaining you or giving you a hoorah. But you need something that you can stand upon that's not just going to carry you at 12, 13, 15, 18, 19 years old. But you need a word that's implanted in your heart that's going to carry you until you're my age and even older. That's going to be something that you can stand on that's going to build your faith even into eternity. So when I tell you I'm going to give you that type of word, I'm praying and believing that God will give you the mind to receive that. Because you don't receive the word through the intellect, you receive it through the heart. And so I encourage you to, to listen attentively. I believe God's going to put something in your heart and mind. And so, I, like, like I mentioned, we've been talking about Christian liberty last week. And, you know, you hear some people say about, you know, that's just your personal conviction. Now, how many of you have personal convictions? Everybody in here? I'm just glad that my personal convictions are going to line up with the person of Christ Jesus. Do you hear me? And so, anytime we say we have personal convictions, well, that's just you. That's just what you think. Well, you know, for me, you know what I used to do? It's resounding through the Word of God. You know, there's all these things culturally that people do. or You know, we've got all these things that have tried to subvert the, the, the will of God. It's in Florida. He's in Central Florida. And uh, he's the brother of an even more well-known uh, traveling healing evangelist. 
And I just saw a headline come up on one of the Christian news services that pops on my computer periodically. And it mentioned his name. It says he's going to be reordained. Now, I didn't know anything about this situation. I'm not finding that stuff. But come to find out eight months ago uh, that he got found out that he was in a four-year, four-year extramarital affair. Now, this is a guy my age or older. God won't forgive, but the very fact that a four-year investment in that type of wicked, perverse deception, all it required to get back in the pulpit and acting like everything is okay is just a slap on the hand in eight months. Folks, listen, if you guys that are called to the ministry think for a minute that God is okay with that type of thing, that some man can say, listen, you've done that, that is things that disqualify you from the ministry. Do you hear me? Not from the relationship with God, not from heaven. But if you think for a minute that you're going to be a preacher of the gospel and that you can run around and do things of that nature and think that some guy can say, well, you're okay. Listen, the calling of God upon a person's life, whether you're 12 years old or whether you're 50 years old, is a high calling. And many are called, but few are chosen. Few are willing to pay the price. And if you can't pay the price, and I'm not talking about paying the price when you're in the pulpit. I'm talking about paying the price in preparation, don't do it at all because it really works to nullify the effectiveness of the gospel. And in the same little article at the end, it said another minister, a minister that's closer to home, he pastored a church just north of here that's 5,000 people. And, and, it, and it dumbed down. I, I remember hearing about this one a couple of years ago. And it said that this guy had had a, 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 a passing, inappropriate relationship with a staff member. Well, no, he didn't have a passing, inappropriate relationship with a staff member. This guy had had a sexual liaison with a young woman who was in the church. And that's not just inappropriate. That is a violation of everything that righteousness stands on. And, and I say all of that because I think about this personal conviction and, and all these cultural norms that, that we've almost celebrated compromise on many, many levels. Folks, you can't celebrate those things. I know people that... There's another well-known evangelist who, uh, who you, if you saw him today, you'd think this guy got saved out of, out of some Harley Davidson or, or some, uh, some uh, uh, biker game. Why? Because from, 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 from neck to knuckles, he's tatted completely up in sleeves and all of these things. Well, I remember when he came on the scene a number of years back, and he didn't have any of those things. All of those things are, are, are post-relationship with Christ Jesus. And I say all that stuff to you young people to hopefully save you some of that grief. If you think for a minute that you're going to say, listen, I'm just going to go into rebellion. That way I can do what I want to do. Then I'll come back and I'll have this great testimony. What you're going to have is a testimony of compromise. You're going to have a testimony that's tainted, that you're going to have to overcome those things. The best testimony that you can have is, listen, I heard the truth and I decided not to do those things. Not that I said I had a momentary lapse and I got all tatted up, but it said that I had John 3.16 over here and all this spiritual stuff. Listen, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You can dress up compromise with a Bible scripture all you want to, but God is not fooled by those things. What God desires is truth in the inward parts, not some false depiction of righteousness on the outward parts. Do you hear me? And so if you think I'm getting down on things like that, like the tattoos and stuff like that, you're absolutely correct. I am. Folks, listen, I'm 50 years old, didn't get brought up in the right side of town, and obviously had alcoholic parents for many years. Praise God, they got saved and got delivered. But listen, you know what? I got When I got saved, I didn't say, listen, I'm going to slip back into that and say it was a cultural norm or it's just my personal conviction. 
Don't find yourself slipping into that nonsense. You young women, don't allow yourself to get slipping into the cultural norms and say, well, everybody's doing it. Folks, listen, if everybody was going to hell, I wouldn't follow them. Do you hear me? So don't think those things are normal. I say that all in light of these things that are made. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1, 6. One, six. He says, so Christ has truly set us free. So now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. Christ has set us free, so make sure you stay free. Folks, listen, freedom is not just a license to do sin. Freedom is a license to walk in righteousness. That's what he did for us. He said, so make sure that you stay free. I believe the book of Revelation says, don't let anyone steal your crown. Don't let anybody take that, that thing that, that is your testimony. Don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. What's funny is people will hear me talking about some of these, these personal convictions and cultural norms. They say, well, he's just legalistic. Folks, no, I'm realistic. That's what it is. That has nothing to do with legalism. It has everything to do with the righteousness of God. Folks, listen, I don't have to be legalistic to know the very blood. I mentioned this last week to you. He said this. He said, if you are free, then you are God's slave. He said, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Oh, God is so gracious, I think I'll do evil. God is so loving, I think I'll do evil. I think it was Pastor Brian said on the street one time uh, years ago. He said, you know what? God is so loving. So are you going to say to God on the day of judgment, because you were so loving, I thought I would walk in perversion. Because you were so loving, I thought I would burn another joint. Because you were so loving, I thought I would listen to this thing that's corrupting my heart and my mind and my morals. It was so spot on and so apropos even for the environment that we're in, surrounded by these people that claim to be believers in the free, but you only stay free when you refuse to turn to a condition of bondage or sin. You true freedom must involve being a slave to God because that is the only freedom that any of us have. And freedom is not that excuse to do evil, but it's an empowerment to walk in the holiness of God. And so this brings us to where we're going to start tonight in verse 2. And he says this, listen up. this, if you're counting on circumcision, specifically is speaking to an issue that was on the front burner of that day and in that time, it, it, when Paul was standing against the Judaizers, and that was obviously he was law through dependence upon the law of Moses, through circumcision. So that was... to going beyond falling prey to the allure of legalism associated with the Mosaic law, and making this point. And his point was, once you bring salvation into your life, you have effectively removed Jesus from the equation altogether. That's what he said. Be Jesus plus something else. Call it circumcision. Call it anything that you want to call it. And I'm asking you a real question. Are you right with God? Are you right with God? Think about that just for a second. Am I right with God? Now here's the follow-up question for you. Well, how do you know 
If you said yes, how do you know that you're right with God? Now I can pick on Courtney because she's one of my interns here. Courtney, how do you know that you're right with God? Because what? Okay. Hayden, how do you know that you're right with God? Because you know what? And who's that? Who are you in him? You're his daughter? How do you know that? Because that's what he said? What did he say? He said, hey, you're my daughter. He said, we're his sons and daughters if what? He said, you're his sons and daughters if what? Just randomly? His word said, you're his sons and daughters if what? I do this to everybody, so get used to it. Amen? If what? What gives us the power to become the sons or daughters of God? If we obey, if we, we, if we, we trust in His name, we put our faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary, this is some broad brush. Romans 5.19 says this, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person, who's Christ Jesus, obeyed God, many are made righteous. You know, folks, I, I hear people say things like, I, I know I'm righteous because, because I go to church. I know I'm right. I go to church or I, I, I pray and I read the Bible. Man, I know I'm okay with God because I witness to people on a regular basis or, uh, or I don't. I, I know I'm right with God because I don't drink. I don't curse. I don't smoke doobies. I don't uh, do drugs or any. I'm not involved in any type of sex. I don't do those things and do that. I did all of these things and I. Righteousness becomes built upon you in what you do or what you don't do. That just makes you like the rich young ruler and in no need of Christ whatsoever. Romans 4.14 says this. It says, for if those who depend on the law are his heirs. Did you hear that? It says, if those who depend upon the law are his heirs, then faith means nothing and the promise is absolutely worthless. Did you hear that? He said, if my dependence regarding being right with God involves keeping the law, then my faith means nothing at all. Folks, if your faith is built upon the fact that you don't do certain things, or you do certain things, then your faith means nothing at all. But folks, I got news for you. That is the, 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 the wide swap that's been cast over this thing we call Christendom. Most people say, listen, that person's got to be a Christian. Why? Because they go to church, or they're, they're a good boy, or they're a good girl, or, 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 or they're a nice person, or they do such and such. Folks, none of those things whatsoever can be added to the equation, which is Christ Jesus, to make any of us righteous. And folks, that shouldn't be something that's disheartening. That should be something that creates a joy unspeakable and full of the glory of God. Why? Because as good as I can be, 
There's nothing that Troy Bond could do or could ever do that would ever be good enough to measure up for what Jesus did for me upon the cross of Calvary. And so, folks, listen, when he stood upon that cross for me and they pierced his hands and feet, I want to find myself crucified with Christ. Not in front of there's enough of me that I can take a closer look. Listen, I want to be hidden in Christ Jesus, that there's nothing of me that can be seen. Not my testimony. Not the fact that I pray or righteousness. To think for a minute that any to be built upon nothing less than my totally complete faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They say I did, but I know what Jesus Christ did. He was the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. He came down in the form of sinful flesh and for sin. He was God made flesh. He was my Redeemer and my Redeemer lived. He hung between those, those two things on the cross and He provided a way where there no, was no way. And I've got a hope, I've got a joy in the presence of God that you can't take it away because you can't point at Troy Bond. You've got to point to Jesus Christ who is still the way, the truth, and the life. So folks, that's where I get a confidence. That's where my worship, that's where my obedience springs from. That's where the audacity that I have to keep on pressing towards the mark for the prize and the high calling of God. Why? Because it's still in Christ Jesus. But folks, if I try to add anything to that equation, what I've done is I've eliminated Christ from the equation altogether. And so if my dependence on being right involves anything else, then my faith means nothing at all. And folks, it's not just the law of Moses, but it's any law, any system, any religious efforts that in any way try to stand alongside or in front of my absolute dependence upon Jesus and Him alone for my salvation. Luke 18, 8. You know what it says? You may not recognize the, the address, but you certainly know what it says when I quote it. When the Son of Man returns, what, what will he find, Roy? Will he find faith? Not will he find Roy going to the great the bus depot. Better show up, brother, because if you don't, man, you got hell to pay. You hear me? Not whether or not somebody goes and, 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 and you, you show up on the streets on Friday night. If he shows up and you're not there, then you might have hell to pay. No, but he's going to find faith on the earth. Is he going to find me walking in the faith, and not just the, 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 the faith in anything, but faith in what Jesus did for me upon the cross of Calvary was enough. Folks, that's what Romans 8 tries to tell us, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Not part in Christ and part in good works. Not, not there's no condemnation for those that are in church, or those that are in the right ministry, or those that are wearing the right team, doing those things that he tells us that are obvious in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. But the flesh can be us trying to do something to somehow get heaven saying, oh man, he sung a great song or preached a great message, or he prayed an hour longer than anybody else. Folks, listen. I can walk in the flesh and make it look so, so much like the Spirit. But if I'm walking in the Spirit, man, there is a Jesus. Fear of God. Folks, that's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Without faith, Hebrews 11, 6, why? It's impossible to please God. That those that come to Him must believe that He is. That who is? That you is? That if I'm coming to Him without faith, it's impossible to please God, Caden. That if you're going to come to Him, whether you're 12 years old or 50 years old, 
You know what, young man? You're going to have to believe that he is. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You don't need to wait to be great. You don't need to be waiting to be righteous. And I appreciate your heart and all those other things. But I tell you what, there ain't no teenage or, 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 or prepubescent uh, uh, heaven. There's a heaven and there's a God that you're going to stand before just like I am. And we're going to get there the exact same way. Through faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. So don't let anybody tell you you've got to dumb it down or you need to chill out a little while. There'll be plenty of time for that. You don't know when your soul will be required for, from you no more than I know when my soul will be required from me. So it's better to walk in righteousness and having that faith and, 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 and seeking after God with desperation now. That way you don't have to stand in front of some congregation and talk about the time that, that you got introduced to a crack pipe or the time that you fathered somebody out of wedlock or the time that you... You hear me? Ephesians 2, 8, we know what that says. We're saved. Saved from what? People to boast. It's faith. It's faith. It's faith. It's not faith plus. You really don't. I didn't. I thought I had faith. Well, faith means that I go to church and I pray the right prayer. Well, I want to do that, God. I'm trying. And it wasn't because I had some malicious intent. It's because I just didn't know. What is my faith in? Oh, is my faith in what my preacher said? Is my faith in, 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 in we're doing the right things? Well, my faith has got to be in what Jesus Christ did upon the cross of Calvary. And that changes everything. That changes how I hear. That changes how I speak. That changes how I think. That changes how I dream. That changes how I plan. Everything about my life is built upon that relationship and testimony of faith. Works are meant to show my faith and are not meant to be a substitute for it. See, that's the trap that we've got to watch for ourselves falling into. When I'm doing these things, I'm doing stuff in order to demonstrate my faith or to, 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 to show that I have faith. No, those things are just the evidence of something that's going to come later. But my, by no means do those things prove that I actually have faith. My faith is proven by righteousness being exemplified and demonstrated in my life. Paul the Apostle told the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, you know this. He said, I'm determined not to know. Folks, at any point I determine that I'm going to somehow find favor with God through the law, in this case, obviously, circumcision, then I'd better be ready to obey every single other regulation as well. Listen, I know I got favor with God because I sing when the when the choir director says sing. That I pray when the, the prayer ministry says pray. I witness when the when the evangelist says witness. I'm doing all those things. Once again, that disqualifies you to be that one that Jesus says, well, there's one thing that you did leave out. And so if I'm saying to myself, but listen, I'm finding favor with God, folks, I better be ready to do every single thing. Because at any point that I don't, do so. I'm not even wired naturally to do such a thing. When it says flesh, because we think of flesh many times as anything wicked. But that's actually the word sarcos. And it means anything that I'm able to accomplish within the scope of my natural ability, including my intellect and will. Folks, listen, I can tell you something. I, I'm a person that's, that's very determined. I'm a principled person by nature. I'm a person that, you can ask my wife, yeah, I'm going to do it if it kills me. But you know what? I could do that as a lost person. I could. 
When I was in school, I was a straight-A student. It wasn't that in the flesh. It didn't mean, oh, he's got the favor of God. No, it means that I was prideful and arrogant, and I put that stuff on display in that area of my life. I could do that in the flesh. And so anything that I could do to somehow think that I'm going to accomplish something, oh, man, that person passed her out. That ain't the, that's the flesh. But folks, we do all of these things. And even, you know, Tim Tebow, listen, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I'm going to run over somebody. I'm going to do such and such. And I'm going to win the big game. And I'm going to drop down and say, God, be the glory. I praise God that he's giving somebody the glory. But folks, I guarantee at the end of the day, God doesn't watch the NFL. He's not concerned with who's making the three-point play in, 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 in basketball. He's really not concerned with those things. When there's a world going to hell in a handbasket, and we're, we're writing some scriptural word on the bottom of our shoe, and we've not even hidden the word of God in our heart. Oh, that person's got to be a Christian. Didn't you hear what he said during that interview? Yeah, but didn't you hear him drop the F-bomb to the referee when he called that foul on him? Folks, what do we make? We've made heroes out of exactly what he's talking about. We're calling sir and all these things to these stars. And these, these, we, we know more about the statistics of a, of a basketball player than we know the Word of God. We can quote all of these results more than we can quote what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross of Calvary. God forbid! We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Why? Because we passed it off. We said, well, just because we did such and such. Folks, listen, we've made... The blood of Jesus in his name of none effect. And now we're walking in the natural. There's no way that I could ever jump through enough hoops. There's no way that I could do anything to impress or satisfy the righteousness requirement of God that he's demanded. There's no way. Only Jesus was ever able to do that. Do you hear me? Only Jesus was able to do that. Not Troy Bond, who's been in the ministry for all these years. Not Troy Bond, who stands a big cross up in the street for 20 years. Not Troy Bond. Troy Bond could never do anything to satisfy the righteousness requirements of God. But I stand across up there because I know whom I believed in. Man, if I could do anything to introduce them, not to some street church ministry, but if I could do anything to get their ear long enough to tell them, listen, you don't have to put your faith in Catholicism or the Baptist church or your Pentecostal experience. You can put your faith in what Jesus Christ did, and he'll change everything for you. Like They say stuff like, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Baptist, or I'm a good person, or I've never killed anyone. Folks, I haven't either. Except him. It was my sin. And the people that cried out for the life of Barabbas, I would have been saying, crucify Jesus. And you know what? After he rose from the dead, I would have been grateful too. Because until he bled and he died and he rose again, I would have had nothing. Not my Judaism. Not my best efforts to follow some Roman religion. Man, I would have thanked him. I would have thanked him that even in the darkness and the brokenness of my own life, that he gave me enough grace to be able to say crucify him. Do you hear me? Folks, that's what grace did that day. It wasn't the Roman legions. It wasn't the unbelieving apostate Jews. It was grace that caused people to say crucify him. That was God's influence of love and mercy. Grace pressing on the darkness of man's hearts to squeeze every semblance of darkness out. That would expose us for exactly who we were. That we would crucify the Lamb of God sent to take away the sins of the world. Folks, that was grace and mercy did that. He said in verse 4, if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, 
you have been cut off from Christ. And you have fallen away from God's grace. Folks, look at the, the consequences of trying to make oneself right with God through any human effort, including an attempt to keep the law in varying forms. It says you try to do that, keeping the law, going to church enough, being a good guy, trying your best, whatever it is. He said, you try to do that, you think somehow that that is going to please God. He said, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away. Folks, this seriously falls in the face of, of the once saved, always saved folks and those that preach any form of the law-based law or works-based salvation. The truth is, is you can go from a place of knowing Jesus belonging to Jesus and being born again to a place where you are totally spiritually destitute and on your way to hell. That's reality. But I could have tasted him. I could have known him. And somehow along the line, I said, God, it was real good what you did for me back then. And I hope somewhere in the by and by when I stand before you, I'll get that. But in the meantime, I want to take a little break. I want to do a few things to cater to my flesh because I know that you're such a mindless buffoon. You'll take me back even though I trample the blood of Jesus underfoot. See, we never say that. But we do that. All the while humming our, our songs. and We never say that, but we do that. Filling our hearts and lives with perversion. We never say that. But we do that when we hate our brothers speak all types of nonsense to one another. We never say that. That's who we be. He said, you do that. You cut off. You're falling from grace because you think somehow, some way that you're going to throw God something and He's going to say, well, that's just enough. I want you to hear this. Listen, I'll say it again. You'll be cut off quicker and fall faster. <coughs> By somehow thinking that you can do enough noble or righteous acts to gain favor, then you will be for inadvertently stumbling into sin during the time of weakness. Do you hear me? Folks, even a righteous man will fall seven times. There'll be times that you go through and the, the weight of this world will press you down and you'll find yourself making decisions that you shouldn't have made. You'll say things that you know you shouldn't have said and it won't be okay. But you'll know you did it. If your heart will be broken, you'll come to God in repentance. And the Word says, if you're faithful to confess those sins, He's faithful. He's just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God is that merciful. And He's not going to cut you off from that. Don't think that salvation is so flimsy. But you'll fall faster thinking to yourself that, listen, as long as I've got enough ducks in a row, I can have, as long as I have enough ducks in a row and I have devils in a row, then I'm okay. That's what will cut you off. Not thinking God and all these things, but man, the pressure of life and all these circumstances, they got me and God, I really wasn't walking my faith. I, I, I let stress and I let worry get in the way. Folks, there's arms of mercy that extend from To fall away is to stray or to fall off. It's a nautical term. It means to, to get off course. Folks, this is what the Word of God tells us in the last days. It says, many will depart from the faith. They'll give heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. It's where the Word talks about. Do you not know that the son of perdition, the Antichrist, will not be revealed until... But verse 5. 
to believe, who live by the Spirit, eagerly wait to receive by the faith of the righteousness God's promises. But folks, he said it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said it to those that he saw in the natural were struggling for the very warnings that I've given you. But he said, we. He had an eager expectation of them repenting and coming to faith. And he said, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith that righteousness God has promised for us. To eagerly wait is to have an eager expectation of righteousness, not of sinfulness. Folks, our natural man always wants to work towards righteousness. You hear me? But our spirit man wants to wait for righteousness. But those that work towards it, those, those that wait. They'll walk and they'll not faint. If I'm willing to wait upon the Lord, if I'm willing to persevere, if I'm willing to, to allow the rules of nature, all of those things that would draw me in, that would somehow try to subvert my faith in Jesus Christ, all those things would be removed, and I would have a capacity. Number six. There's no benefit of being circumcised or uncircumcised. He says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. And folks, I'm not talking about some filet or brotherly love or kindness or do-good or stuff. I'm talking about a love of righteousness. That's what love is. Love is loving righteousness. Loving what he loved and hating what he hated. Because you'll never love how he loved until you love what he loves. Folks, you love what he loved. Do you know that? He loved what God loved. Do you know what he loved? He loved the plan that he originally had that man fouled up through sin. That's what God loved. He loved it enough that he would send his son Jesus as the perfect sacrifice to die that substitutionary death upon the cross of Calvary. He eliminated all the other factors from the equation. He eliminated the law. He eliminated all the aspects of it. He said, children, listen. To those that believe and call upon his name, then those are the ones that I'm going to give power to become my sons and daughters. Not those that somehow came from the right place and done all the right things, but those that would dare to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, and he did what he said he would do. Folks, that was the message nearly 2,000 years ago in the church of Galatia. Folks, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed with culture. It hasn't changed with... with with, 